Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Woke AF with me, Danielle Moody. Over the next four weeks, I will be showcasing a series of artists whose work is being showcased this summer as part of the Open Call program at The Shed, Creative Spaces in New York City. Admission is free, but I know a lot of you out there aren't in New York, so I wanted to bring some of these creative voices straight to you to share their artistry and perspective. Last week on Woke AF Daily, which you can hear five days a week by supporting me at patreon.com slash Woke AF, I was joined by the first in this series of artists, Aisha Amin, director of the film Friday, which she has transformed into a living exhibition called The Earth Has Been Made a Place of Prayer. In our half-hour conversation about the how and why behind the making of her documentary film, how Muslim and non-Muslim audiences have received the film, and why she feels filmmakers who are people of color end up being politicized despite how personal or apolitical their work may be. Folks, I am so excited to welcome to Woke AF for the very first time, hopefully not the last time. Often I talk about art, the power of art and artists to shift and change hearts and minds. And I'm really happy to bring Aisha Amin, um, a Muslim filmmaker, native New Yorker, who is doing extraordinary work to transform or transition our idea um, of the Muslim community, of prayer, of mosques, um, because in America, frankly, we have been indoctrinated into believing that there is something nefarious about, um, about Islam, about the culture uh, and community. Aisha, Talk to me about how you have used your medium of filmmaking to open up conversation about Islam. Yeah, um, thank you, Danielle. I'm very excited to be here. Um, it's a good question, and I have sort of a loaded answer. Please, we love them here <laughs> on Woke AF. Great. Um, I'll start by saying that 
you know, as whether you're a filmmaker or, you know, any kind of visual artist um, and you create work that is personal and you also happen to be a person of color, somehow that work is always received as being political. Like it's politicized no matter what it is. Even if it's something that's so personal in your life and very unique, it's still politicized. So I realized that at a very young age, you know, I started filmmaking when I was like, you know, 20, 21. And I was just drawn to this environment of being in, you know, New York City, growing up in the city, being Muslim, but not even thinking twice about being Muslim, because everyone in the city is uniquely themselves. And I didn't outright face any discrimination in my own city. It was just like on the television and mainstream mm-hmm. news, I felt that I felt that. And when I started creating films, that happened to be about my experience as Muslim, um, they were received and they were politicized. And I was like only kind of pigeonholed as a Muslim American filmmaker instead of just a filmmaker. So I always think to myself like, and this goes with like other artists as well and like black filmmakers who make personal Mm -hmm. films and they only end up getting hired to make black films or me getting hired to only make films about the Muslim experience. Um, This is sort of a roundabout way of answering your question, but I feel like it's sort of a very, it's a complicated industry to work in. Um, And I don't make films just about Islam, but I do, I am Muslim and I make personal films and they also happen to be something that people watch and consume and learn that about the religion. So with this particular film that I'm showing at this exhibition, um, it's called Friday, and it's about um, it's about a very historic mosque in New York City, um, and you know, growing up in the city and you know, in New York, but also just as a young person, um, you go to mosques every Friday, and it was just a part of my life, like my brothers and my dad would go to the mosque, especially on Eid, which is like a Muslim holiday. Mm -hmm. And it's just a very normal thing. Um, And I just wanted to make a film about that because I wanted to be around that community again because I had been missing it so much. And the way that it was received by the public was so gratifying because people came to me and they said they were learning something new and they had never known what inside of a mosque looked like or if they were welcome in one. So something that was personal ended up being something that ended up being slightly political, but also like an educational experience for the audience. So that's kind of how I came about making it. What were you, for, for you, it, it sounds like you wanted just to express and show a part of your upbringing, right? You mentioned your dad and, and your brother and the experiences that you've had attending mosques. What do you think or what have you heard of as some of the biggest misconceptions about just the structure in and of itself, let alone the prayers and what happens on the inside, but just inherently in America, it is very politicized just, you know, and, and around the world, just a couple of years ago in New Zealand, mass, mass shooting, right. Um, that took the lives of so many people and that took place, um, in a, in a mosque, unfortunately. So what is, what did you think about in terms of the structure in and of itself that you wanted to open up with regard to the misconceptions that you think have been placed on your community? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, look, I didn't grow up surrounded by other Muslims apart from my family. Like I have very few friends who are also Muslim and I knew, you know, post 9-11 that there was an understanding that Islam was dangerous, um, mostly because there was a, an ignorance around it and people didn't take the time to understand what the religion was. It was just like wholeheartedly deemed as like dangerous and suspicious and people who were part of it were also suspicious and you had to look a certain way um, or act a certain way to be Muslim. And, you know, I'm not, I don't present as being Muslim. Like I don't wear a headscarf. Um, I would have to tell people my name and they would have to understand that it has like an Arabic origin for them to understand that I am Muslim American. Um, so I'm navigating the world in this way where I don't outwardly look Muslim, but I am. And it's a huge part of my life. My friends aren't, but my family is. And for the larger part of my life, I just didn't outwardly tell anyone I was because there was obviously a fear that, you know, mm -hmm. fear of judgment. Um, that's just what post post 9-11 New York and America and honestly, like the Western world was and is. It's still that way. Um, so with this film, it was really, and I did end up making it right after New Zealand, um, which was so heartbreaking. It was sort of, it was a way to sort of bring the viewer completely objectively inside of a mosque into a place that they would have otherwise never stepped inside of, a place that they think is totally closed off to them. Mm -hmm. Just, it's, it's an opportunity for them to enter it visually from their computer screen or wherever they're watching the film and to actually destigmatize what happens in mosques. You know, it's just prayer. It's a place for people to come and commune. It's, it's a place for people to meet each other um, once a week. Um, it's a very emotional experience and spiritual experience for some people. It's an hour every Friday where they do it. Um, and it's really, it's all about community gathering. And that's really what I wanted to show in a totally objective way, you know, with no ulterior motive. It was just to bring the camera into the space to have the viewer experience it and then have them leave. And that I felt I could do that the best with a camera and with the medium of filmmaking. You mentioned that it has become sort of an, an educational uh, an educational tool, I guess I, I will say for, for, for lack of a better term, what has been some of the most surprising things that people have said after, after watching? And I'm assuming that for, for folks that are talking to you about it, that this may have been their first experience going inside of a mosque without physically, um, going in. Totally. Um, so the mosque that I filmed in is called Masjid Taqwa. And it is located in sort of the center of Bed-Stuy, which is, you know, a really old and just culturally incredible neighborhood in Brooklyn, but that is also being quickly gentrified. So you have folks mm -hmm. from all over coming to live in Bed-Stuy, um, recent graduates, you have these new developments coming in, um, you have a coffee shop where you can get a latte for $8, but around the corner you have <laughs> institutions that have been there for forever. So it's, you right. know, really, really diverse in that way. Um, and I've had, you know, younger millennials really like, uh, tell me that they've seen the film, whether it be, you know, online or at a festival. And they've told me that they've always wondered what 
that sound was that they heard every Friday afternoon. And after watching my film, they finally understood it. Like Friday afternoon, they could be on their way to a friend's house. They could be getting a coffee, but they hear the call to prayer, which comes from the mosque and stretches, you know, for several miles because it's so loud. There are speakers on the building and there are all these people that are listening to the call to prayer and not understanding what it is. And then after mm-hmm. watching my film, understanding the purpose of it and and the meaning of it. And I think, you know, that's the most gratifying thing as a filmmaker and as an artist is having someone understand like the spiritual significance of the sound because I was able to teach them that through filmmaking. So that was something that that I always get is, oh, that call to prayer, like that's what that is. I get that now. It's it's great. You know, it's funny. I remember the first time that I did hear a call to a call to prayer and I thought that it was such like a beautiful sound. Like it was just like just the repetitive nature of it, how it like kind of floats through the air to me was just um, something so beautiful. And I and I and I have I have not um, ventured inside of a mosque. I've always viewed from the outside just the gorgeous architecture, the stunning art. Um, the, I, for, for me, it's like the art of it. I'm just like, oh my God, this is, this is absolutely beautiful and would love to travel and see it. What is the, what is the reception that you receive as a young woman Muslim filmmaker from the Muslim community? It's been varied, I think. Um, the best way I can describe it is by telling you the story of how I finally got the permission to film inside the mosque as a woman. I will say, please, I want to know. I want tough. to know that story. <laughs> it's it's really funny. I think um, you know, as a, a filmmaker, but especially in documentary filmmaking, you have it's you have to follow the ethical code. And you have to respect the people that you're filmmaking. And if you're not, you're doing it the wrong way. And that's just something that I have to put out there. You're doing it unethically. Um, and mm. I knew that going in. And, you know, I said, okay, this is my community. Like, I feel a little bit more comfortable doing this. And I would go to Masjid Taqwa and I would ask to speak with the head of security. I would ask to speak with the head of the mosque. And they just didn't trust me at first. They just didn't trust me bringing a camera into the space and letting their congregants be vulnerable to media because they've had bad experiences before they're living in post 9-11 america and they don't know what my intention was Mm -hmm. even if i was muslim like it doesn't matter i was gonna say because does it i was gonna say it did did it not matter it didn't matter at first no it did not matter at first because I wasn't part of their community. You know, it's such a vast religion and there are little pockets within it of communities in New York. And I wasn't part of theirs. And I was a stranger coming into their space. So I had to gain their trust over time. Every Friday I would go and spend the day there. I would sit with the head of security. I would explain to him what I'm doing. I would call him all the time. I built this like web of trust with him because I wanted him to like me honestly first of all I wanted him to like me and also I wanted him to be comfortable with a camera being in his space and I wanted everyone there to be okay with it so I just spent a lot of time there and then eventually you know it took a lot of work but they trusted me um and the reception has been you know ever since releasing the film publicly the reception has been just amazing nobody cares that I'm a woman who made it nobody really 
I mean, it's important that I am Muslim and that I was able to, you know, represent my community in this way. Um, people, especially Muslims, have been thanking me for it. Um, mm. They've been congratulating me on it. They've been saying things like, this is much needed and I'm glad that this exists. Um, because I didn't necessarily make it for them, but I made it for people that have never been inside of a mosque before. So they were thanking me for educating the public in that way. I mean, you probably gave folks something that they can use, right? It's it's not like we are we are a a, a visual uh, and a tactile people, right? So there's only so much that kind of goes in one ear and out the other. But you've given them something to explore, right? Um, and I'm curious, did the head of security did he watch? Yes. <laughs> what what was what was after building all of this trust? What was his reaction to what he saw? I wish it was more. I wish I could have built up to like him having an incredible response. <laughs> you mean he didn't have an aha moment? He did not have an aha moment. <laughs> Shockingly, he just said, "Oh, Aisha, that's nice. That's nice. It's nice that you did but that." But that's good. <laughs> yeah, but he that's was good. Positive about it. Um, he was positive about it, and I think, you know, it wasn't that interesting to him because he said this is my life and you just recorded it right you know that experience is every day this is my life and you recorded it so that's great um and yeah I think you know he was happy with it and that's all like because if he wasn't and if there are other people part of the mosque of the masjid community that that didn't like it then I would have like a problem releasing it publicly because I wasn't accurately representing them so I got the okay and after that it was like smooth sailing I love documentary filmmaking for that reason, because it's so exploratory in a way that doesn't seem, I can't think of the, can't think of the word that I'm trying to, that I'm trying to grab for right now, but it's exploration without invasiveness. Mm -hmm. That's really what, and I think that that's what Mm -hmm. documentary filmmaking offers for us to be able to travel and transport ourselves to a place um, without feeling like we are colonizers in a a lot of ways. Absolutely. And that's why it's important to have filmmakers from those communities that they're filming because they really understand what they're filming and how to treat it with respect. And I always think, you know, when has the Muslim community ever been portrayed on camera positively and beautifully? There's always, it's always politicized and it's always traumatizing. It's like, I'm always hearing about my community, horrible things about it, whether they're debating whether you should wear the headscarf or not, or mm-hmm. whether they're debating, you know, if this person is a terrorist or not. It's, there's always these connotations. And I had never seen anything that was just positive and beautiful and wonderful. And I thought, I'm going to do that. Like, I'm going to make that film that shows people that Friday prayer is an absolutely wonderful and beautiful and spiritual and peaceful experience for millions of people in this country and you should know what it is and you shouldn't watch mainstream media and consume only these like trigger words yeah it's a muslim community instead you should watch my film yes <laughs> a little promo over myself but like you should watch my film and understand oh this is what a daily life and like this is what a day in the life of a muslim new yorker is actually like on a friday and it's so incredibly interesting and the same goes with cinema in general whether it be Um, cinema made by um, the gay community or the black community Mm -hmm. like when have we ever heard of stories that are just beautiful and should be told and are not traumatizing and are not feeding into these stereotypes that just exist to show 
the absolute joy of these communities and how wonderful they are and the positives. You hardly see it, I have to say, because it doesn't sell as well. I was just going to say, because at the end of the day, it is about the monetization of pain and trauma. And there is, seems to be an, an appetite that never ceases in this, particularly in America, um, for the trauma and the pain of black and brown people, mm-hmm. uh, and marginalized communities. And that is what they will pay for. And that is what they want to see. But when you, uh, do something which shouldn't be radical, right? But what you've done, you know, is radical because I'm going to show beauty and I'm not going to politicize that beauty. I'm going to show peace. I'm not going to politicize that peace. I'm just going to bring you into this space. How you interpret it and what you, how you internalize that is going to be left to you. But like, here's what I'm, I'm allowing you to pull back this curtain and see for yourself, not it filtered through how other people want you to see it and how they want you to interpret it. And that is, that is capital, that that's capitalistic, right? Like I, you know, everybody needs to make money. Artists especially need to, you know, need to make money, but it's the how, um, that I think is, is incredibly important. Um, I should tell people where they can see your film, how they can access you, how they can follow you, because everyone needs to. Well, thank you very much. Um, so the film Friday is currently a Vimeo staff pick. So it's online, available to watch free um, on your computer. And um, it's also going to be turned into a multi-channel video installation where I'm essentially reconstructing and building um, like a mobile mosque in the gallery space with prayer mats and with the film on like several screens. So you can walk into the gallery space and you can experience what it's like to be in a real mosque, except you're in a museum. That museum is called The Shed and it's in Hudson Yards in New York. It's part of the Open Call program and it's starting June 3rd and it's going to run through the summer and it is free and available to the public, which is my favorite part about it is that it's super accessible for people to come and see. Um, Yeah, so the film is being turned into an installation and that's where you can experience it in 3D or you can experience it digitally on your computer online. In my half hour conversation with Aisha Min, we also got into talking about the role artists and creators play in society. And she even asked me about my own perspective as a creator, a question I can say I have never been asked before on my own podcast. To hear our entire discussion, head over to patreon.com slash wokeaf and join Woke AF Nation, where you'll get hundreds of past shows and five brand new full length shows every single week. I'm excited to share the rest of my conversations with these incredible up and coming artists, the next of which is already up on Patreon. Just saying. Have an incredible week. And until next time, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. 
Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.